I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Already dying. It's Andy's girls. It's episode. I really don't know. Um, uh, the AG gods are telling me it's 142. I don't believe that. I feel like last week was 142. Anyway, O M F G. Um, Andy's girls hath arrived. It is Sunday um, afternoon ish. I kind of slept in a little bit today because I made the huge strategic error of taking a nap yesterday because it was snowy and wintry in New York City, aka everybody was refusing to leave their apartments, myself included, and accidentally fell asleep. Um, I am a very proud anti-napper. I am the opposite of Dorinda Medley. Every day at four o'clock, I do not get into bed in a nighty and fall asleep for beauty rest for an hour. I am perhaps in bed in my (laughs) 
night and four o'clock in the afternoon, but I do not sleep during that time because um, I don't believe in it. It's lifestyle choice. Okay, you guys. And it happened. And then I ended up being up until three o'clock in the morning because I accidentally fell asleep for like 90 minutes yesterday. Um, anyway, so I watched War of the Worlds, which was it's a quality. It's on HBO now, you guys, if you have a HBO. It's a quality Tom Cruise movie. And I always think of the time when his... Um, career and reputation fell apart during that press tour. Um, That was when he, uh, quote unquote, fell in love with Katie uh, Holmes. And so I really um, appreciate that special time in his film career. And it's actually genuinely a quality movie. Anywho, um, I'm so excited for this week's AG. I had a conversation with Dr. Jeff, who you guys will remember from Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of Potomac. He's done several other um, non-Bravo reality shows. And I was curious to sit down with him because, listen, Lenithia Leakes is not having a great season. And Dr. Jeff was so crucial and integral to her kind of emotional journey, I would say, season seven of Atlanta. And so it was a complete um, pleasure to talk to him. And also, you know, during our conversation, which you guys will hear shortly, I had some satchels of gold for the soul. So I wanted to get his thoughts on craziness happening on other franchises, both um, Atlanta, I think I had some Potomac stuff, Beverly Hills, New York, wanted to get his thoughts on Bethany and Jason Hoppy's um, custody battle, um, several different scenarios and situations with housewives in in the news, in the world, going crazy, and really wanted to get his thoughts on, um, you know, how they should handle it. I mean, it's kind of interesting to sit down with someone who is a true clinical, is that what they call it? Clinical psychologist? Sure. Um, Clinical psychologist and really, you know, the whole joy for me of Andy's girls, obviously it's talking about the episodes as it happens, but it's really talking about the choices that these women make and how they behave and how they respond. Obviously it's heightened when it's on reality TV, but it's also kind of like opening a door on the housewives to understanding um, what's going on in their brain chemistry. I mean, like what really propels these women to make the kind of like behavioral choices that they do. And so talking to Dr. Jeff and getting that kind of inside scoop um, on like a medical spiritual level was really, really interesting. So I hope you guys um, enjoy that conversation. And so there's a lot for us to discuss. Um So first off, I have to say shout out to Kate Casey, who had me on Reality Life with Kate Casey, the most recent episode talking about all things married to medicine. So if you guys want to hear my thoughts, (laughs) and why wouldn't you, on just my um, ongoing love for all things Dr. Damon. And I think I got into a little bit of the evolution of... um, Toya and Mariah's friendship and some other interesting stuff. You should definitely listen to that episode. And also on Thursday, I had the joy of having an afternoon kiki with um, 
her holiness, Amy Phillips, on Reality Checked on Radio Andy. And that was amazing. She and her uh, awesome producer were in um, the Sirius XM studio for Radio Andy in LA. I was in the studio in New York. And you can see each other in the studio with um, the glory of Skype, shout out technology, shout out hashtag new audio. And it was fantastic. I spent an hour talking to her about some housewife stuff in the news, some Southern charm news. Um, I think we got into a little uh, craziness about some stuff happening with Dina Manzo that I wasn't aware of. Um, And then we broke down the most recent episode of New Jersey. And she is so funny, so smart. We had listener calls calling in, heard from AGs calling in, which I absolutely loved. And it was a complete delight. So if you weren't able to tune in on Thursday, you can get that from SiriusXM On Demand. And P.S. SiriusXM has a three-month free trial. So not to say that I definitely signed up for it, but I definitely signed up for it. And you can as well um, to listen to that episode. I promise it was um, it was definitely a lot of fun for me, self to do. So I hope that you guys um, enjoyed that as well. Um, And speaking of selfishness, I um, had some interesting reactions to um, Brandy Redmond's um, apology situation, shenanigan, whatever you would call it. So Brandy put out on her... um, pod with Stephanie. I think it's called a weekly weekly dose of BS, which frankly was this special episode as well. Um, But Brandy put out a, I don't know what you would call it, 13 minute something or other that I immediately responded to on Instagram, where it essentially started with her sobbing and went downhill from there. So if you guys aren't aware of what Brandy Redmond has been dealing with um, online, and by Brandy Redmond dealing, I mean all of us um, because of her uh, behavior and actions, Brandy put up an Instagram video a couple years ago, maybe three-ish, of a, just a racist, just a just a legit, full-on racist caricature um video where she's mocking Asian people and it's it's a really bad look and it came it was an Instagram video that she says she deleted three years ago immediately when people started um, telling her it was soups racist Um, she says she put out an apology soon after it uh, randomly appeared um, the week before last I want to say right when shit was hitting the fan on Dallas with um, Leanne's antics and uh, streets are talking and they're saying it was put out by Steve. I heard it was put out by Steve, Leanne's wedding planner, and also Leanne. Brandy herself seems to have a slightly different idea of who um, put it out, which we'll get to. Um, But Brandy's reaction to the video coming out was not uh, initially apologetic. In fact, for several days after, she was making jokes about it, saying she was ready for SNL, saying she would do it again. And that's when shit really hit the fan for her because had she really apologized three years ago and listened to herself or, I don't know, watched her behavior on the most recent Dallas reunion, she would understand that if you behave in a racist manner, you should really shut the fuck up and listen to people who are affected and not try to um, deny its existence or reality as something racist or or defend yourself or try to bl- put the blame on other people when it's really your behavior. But ultimately, um, 
you know, the people who are uh, most targeted and most are uh, upset are those uh, in vulnerable communities. And frankly, as a white woman of means on a reality to, uh, reality show, she has enough of a platform. So maybe she should either use her platform to apologize directly to those people or support organizations um, uh, that support them and not necessarily herself. Um, so that's maybe what I was thinking she would do. Just understanding that she seems to have enough awareness of Leanne's racist behavior to maybe um, look in the mirror at her own and or and and or also understand that on the most superficial by which I mean like truly top layer for this from like a strategic crisis PR perspective, um, truly shut the fuck up and don't make light of it. Because if you make light of it, if you say, I was really sorry three years ago, I apologize, I took it down, I moved on, then it comes out. It really makes me discount that previous apology that you said that you made that I have no actual um, proof or record of when you immediately make light of it and say that you would do stuff over and over again. Then Brandy checks herself into racism rehab, aka some sort of wellness facility. And I don't actually mean to be a dick about it because it sounds like she became incredibly depressed and um, potentially almost suicidal, perhaps not like actively suicidal, but thinking about suicidal ideation in the sense that she didn't know how she could go on. And that is a really serious topic. And um, so it sounds like she needed to take some time to herself um, to kind of collect her thoughts. And then she came out with this 13 minute emergency episode of Weekly Dose of BS, where she um, cried for 13 minutes. So I started listening to it. And then immediately started like IG gramming while I was going through it because I really truly needed an outlet to say like, what the fuck? So um, if you have the ability to sit through it and not lose your mind, I would suggest that you do that, um, I guess. I mean, it it really could have been to Brandy a two minute long statement that said something along the lines or, or where she said something along the lines of like, I fucked up. I was racist. It doesn't matter how long ago the video um, was posted and it doesn't matter who posted it because ultimately I was wrong. Um, PCC pump rules. And I did go away for a week to um, a facility for me to recollect my thoughts. And P.S. Here um, are the organizations I donated a matching gift to so that I understood that I had the privilege, economic, white, whatever, to go away somewhere when I was upset about how my behavior affected others and then like a boomerang came back and fucked with me. And here are the places uh, who don't necessarily have that kind of um, economic fiscal freedom to go off to a nice wherever the fuck she went to recollect my thoughts. And so here's that money, or I don't know, um, the amount of money for like a single episode of Dallas's season. That would have been a nice uh, donation to make. And also that context doesn't matter. Um, And frankly, 
maybe this isn't really about Brandy going through her feelings of being sad and shameful and making this into some very warped, very strange self-care themed kind of conversation. Maybe really focus your energy, your platform, uh, your capacity for learning on whatever the fuck you actually learned about the people that you upset, the marginalized community that you upset, as well as the allies and Dallas fans who immediately told you that what you had done was wrong. Like the second that you decided to make light of it, you went down the immediate wrong path. And now she's on a completely different, equally fucked path with what she um, said on that 13 minute emergency episode. And then she followed it up with an Instagram post that says the following. Thank you to these souls that cried with me prayed with me and were a positive light in my life and helped my family during this difficult time. Stephanie and Travis, Deandra and Jeremy, Mama D, what? Carrie and Eduardo, my parents, my family, close friends, and my amazing husband and children. I'm so grateful to God helping me through this, allowing me to heal and love myself. To those that set out to hurt me, know I still have compassion for you in my heart. Cameron and Steve, and again, Steve is Leanne's wedding planner. I forgive you, but I won't be your victim anymore. Thank you all for hearing my truth in my heart. Hashtag love yourself. Have a beautiful and blessed weekend, my friends, with an emoji of the prayer hands and two red hearts. My fucking God. I mean, maybe she is a good housewife because this is the most most self-centered, self-centered, ludicrous, meandering, misguided response that I have seen. She is doing essentially exactly what Leanne would do had she been allowing herself or anyone allowing her to be on social during her racism arc um, when episodes were airing and, you know, BCC the reunion. This is insane. Like this, Brandy, this is insane. This is so stupid. Also, P.S., speaking of Stephanie, Deandra, Mama D, I guess, Carrie, all those people that said Leanne's behavior was racist and how dare she and we need to stand up for people, yada, yada. Where the fuck were all of y'all? Because if I am sitting through the reunion, which is a strange warp experience as it is, knowing what was happening in real time with Brandy's resurfaced video, and you guys are all standing up for what's right and we're ignoring your like political allegiances and whatever, which are in start contrast with what we're what you were trying to say during the reunion if we are believing that you believe any of that then show us that you really mean it by saying that brandy's behavior was wrong not a single person said that what she did was wrong that i have seen aside from people in leanne's camp who have a vested interest in burying brandy the fact that she references cameron is such a weird shady shitty um rumor spreading piece of bullshit where you're essentially explicitly saying that you forgive these people. I don't give a shit who um, resurfaced these videos, what vendetta they had, because ultimately, while it sucks that they did that, it's really not about them. And if you are taking accountability, which obviously she is not, you start by saying, I'm sorry, I fucked up. It was wrong. And the reason it was wrong, P.S., was because it was racist. Like, call it what it is. Say what the fuck you did wrong and then what you're going to do to make it better. 
don't say, oh God, I learned a lot and I really love myself. I could give a shit if you love yourself. That's not why people are upset. They're not upset because you're dealing with like low self-esteem issues, which is a conversation for another day. They're upset because you put out a racist video and then made fun of the anger that people people felt about said racism. And then you went away to, again, racist rehab, not to make light of it, And frankly, I had a lot of secondhand like embarrassment listening to her cry because I don't want to listen to anybody cry. And you, you, I feel immediate empathy for it, but this is completely disingenuous the way that she's gone about doing it. It just shows what blind privilege Brandy has, which again might make her an interesting housewife, but it's just shitty. It's shitty. And frankly, it's trashy. And the fact that she included Cameron and Steve, and then I'm sure got immediate backlash from that and then deleted them and updated the post is again, another sign that Brandy is like completely (laughs) not willing to kind of engage in these kinds of conversations on the most basic level and the fact that Stephanie was putting on social media like I'm praying for her thanks sweetie love you to everybody that was like we love Brandy it doesn't matter she's great poop jokes yada yada it's asinine these people all look ridiculous there's been a lot of people saying why is Dallas going on and based on this shit it's like ugh, is this just gonna be a gross watch because season five man season four done fucked up I need something else this is just ridiculous and then you have other franchises that are at the top of their game and or dealing with real issues and doing it in a way where I actually am interested in watching and then there's just like the poop hat of it all on Dallas I don't even know what to say speaking of not even knowing what to say pump rules fascinating uh two episodes in couldn't care less watched it at 30 percent capacity episode two max and brett who are new cast members got uh in a little bit of trouble just a little p.s barely um because a bunch of tweets were resurfaced from several years ago again it doesn't matter how long ago where they were just racist af um my assumption was that they would be fired because frankly uh, if we're going to look at, at this from a business level, this wasn't a Jack situation. It wasn't a Sandoval or Schwartz situation where these were um, cast members who were seemingly needed for these shows um, where they would be impacted. These are new people who nobody gives a fuck about. So my thought was initially like, oh, they'll get fired. Their firing will be announced now. We'll watch them for the rest of the season and then off they go. It would have been the lightest possible lift for Team LVP, Team Pump Rules to um, sanction these guys. And frankly, it doesn't matter if it was from 2012 or yesterday. Um, youth does not imply racism. So it, whether or not you, it was eight years ago or now, it truly doesn't matter. Um, eight years ago, I was, I don't know, going to a sample sale and spending money I don't have, building up an, a nice amount of um, credit card debt. I wasn't saying racist shit on Twitter or in my own life. I didn't do that when I was a kid, and I don't do that as an adult. And frankly, it doesn't matter when it was done. Again, it doesn't matter if it was an Instagram video from three years ago or a tweet from eight. It is still racist. This is not a difficult conversation for people, aka white people, to be able to understand. And it is bullshit when you start putting the clock on behavior like this because it implies that this was ever okay or ever something that someone would go through as they mature or get older. It makes absolutely no sense to me. So anyway, my assumption would be considering, you know, LVP's stance of um, 
you know, I'm the victim, bullying is wrong, and my cast member should have been fired from Raider Online Gate last season, I would think this would be the lightest possible lift for her to fire these people who, again, aren't currently bringing a ton of value to her business empire. So why side with them. But that's not what happened. She put out a statement um, via her rep that says she doesn't condone any of the heinous comments made in the past. I'm glad they understand the severity of their offenses and have shown utmost remorse and contrition. I embrace a community of diversity and do not tolerate bigotry of any form within my workplace. Max and Brett were both appropriately ashamed of their past obnoxious teenage arrogance and I forgot to be racist when I was you know listening to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys wow and casual use of unacceptable terms while both have now matured as adults they've shown remorse for their private reckless defamatory statements cool 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 so just to remember James was fired from whatever the fuck he was pretending to do on pump rules for fat shaming Katie so when that kind of bigotry takes place he's let go But when two white guys say racist thing, racist thing, racist thing, racist thing again, it was it was because they were teenagers and arrogant and used unacceptable terms, a.k.a. racist terms casually. This looks so bad for Lisa. I truly don't understand why these people do these things and make life harder for everyone by not forcing people to take responsibility again max and brett don't matter like if you look at this from a business perspective they're not bringing anything to the table that you can't get from one of 10 million other quasi unattractive tall-ish white brown-haired guys who are actors slash waiters looking for their next shot on reality TV. It's not like they're bringing any value that you can't get from one of millions of other completely available people living in your town called Hollywood who, P.S., may not also be racist. You know, like... (laughs) This is a learning opportunity that I would think would strengthen Lisa's reputation that she has created and tried to spread where she is a person that promotes diversity, as you can see from her currently all white cast. I mean, I know that brunettes are in there, so that has to bring something. Um, It's so weird to me. This week has just been, the last couple days have been so strange because it, like, I can't even get into the Harry and Meghan thing. That's a conversation for another day. But from like a crisis comms per strategy, strategy, a happy Sunday, crisis comms strategy, there's a way to do things. And there's the way that Lisa and Brandy have done things. And it's just so surprising to me. Shout out to Lala for at least acknowledging that this is complete bullshit and putting out an IG story. Maybe she also tweeted as well that was like, this is fucked up. Like, this is not okay. Lala saying it. P.S. Mazel to Lala for coming out with a new um, podcast with a rant. I will be listening. But if Lala can say it, why can't Lisa Vanderpump? It's just so fucking odd that people think that if they can ignore what's happening on the blogs in real time that somehow they can survive it I just don't understand it's just so fucking weird I mean I know that there have maybe some been some issues about racist comments affecting some previous um seasons of pump rolls um 
BCC Stasi Schroeder, but this is again the easiest possible lift. They are not an investment in the franchise or the Pump Rules brand. So why allow them to add like a stain to this unnecessarily? It would have been so fucking I don't care if they're integral and crucial to the rest of the season. We're two episodes in. I feel like I've been watching this season for a year so far. Like it's insane to me. It is completely insane to me that they wouldn't be reprimanded in a real way instead of what Lisa's doing, which is like lightly tapping them on the shoulder and being like, I don't know, eight years ago, you said some stuff that was too casual and unacceptable. But apparently it's acceptable enough for me to kind of keep things things moving and having you guys maintain employment. Um, you know, tell Katie that she's beautiful. I don't know. It's it's all very, very strange. Anyway, before I get into this week's, this has been like a real unloading moment. Anyway, before I get into all things, um, Dr. Jeff, um, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to that conversation. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Just a couple things about this week of Atlanta and New Jersey. First off, I am so grateful to God slash um, Andrew Cohen above that we only have two franchises right now. Um, I don't know what's happening with Beverly Hills trailer. I'm assuming it'll come out any day. Ditto New York. But my God, having four housewife franchises on at one time is rough, tough stuff. So I'm very appreciative that we only have two. Um, I don't understand (laughs) where things are with this audio and or recording, it really truly to me feels like Nini is phaedraing and trying to make or reveal private, secret, negative traits that Cynthia might exhibit that we don't necessarily see. And her only way to do that is by making shit up. It feels like what Phaedra was trying to do with Candy, and that seems to be like a symptom of the greater disease called jealousy, which frankly can be fatal for your career. Um, I don't get it. I I talked to Dr. Jeff about it. He says that he doesn't think that Nini, well, you'll hear his thoughts on what Nini, what he thinks um, has happened there and Nini's perspective, but I don't, I don't get it. I mean, like, is Nini trying to say, she was saying in her confessionals, like, this is the real Cynthia, but in those moments, what I saw was somebody getting really upset and angry and trying to find out the truth. I mean, and frankly, the stakes were a lot higher, obviously, with like Candy and the Portia Phaedra situation when you're talking about somebody potentially conspiring to commit an act of sexual violence. This is like Cynthia was maybe talking shit. But first off, A, that's your job. You're on a reality show. B, y'all weren't friends at that point. So if she was talking shit to Yovana, that bitch from Clark, or anybody else, I don't understand why that was bad to begin with, unless she was saying something explicitly terrible that we're not even hearing. So while I understand Cynthia's perspective of like, who the fuck was recording me, and also can I please hear that, which is an invasion of privacy and confidence and friendship and whatever else, if she was shit-talking Nini, Nini shit-talking Cynthia. So what the fuck is the problem? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know that we're ever going to hear an audio, quote unquote, or a recording. But even if we did, I don't really care unless Nini's version of this audio is her like being secretly like Skyped into this or something where she can hear the 
audio where it's happening. It it doesn't make any sense. I don't really care. It feels dumb to me. And sometimes that's the undoing for these housewives when they make just dumb mistakes, whether it's ego or uh, anger or sadness or whatever. These are the lies that can take you down. And to Lanethia, this feels like it might be the lie. It's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. And then you have to like add on a lie on top of a lie. And P.S. you're being recorded for a TV show while all of this happens. So ultimately, we're going to have to understand. And it felt like she was gaslighting everybody else in that hotel room when she's like, oh, it's not about this. It's not about that. And when Kenya is kind of holding her face to the fire a little bit and saying, like, tell us explicitly who it is. And she doesn't have a reaction. So Nini just responds with emotion. Like, that's not a great indicator. Like, why even bring this up unless you were willing to say who it is? Otherwise, there's other stuff for you and Cynthia to fight about. It just feels like Nini's trying to show that she's a bigger person, just like sending that fake um, congratulatory letter to a gossip blog at the same time you're sending it to your friend on camera or having it be delivered to your friend on camera. It feels like she's trying to do her own little reputation tour, but just like Taylor's album, it might not be a success. So I don't know. It's it's kind of strange to me. Um, I talk about Portia and Dennis's re-engagement with Dr. Jeff, so just listen to that part of the conversation. Um, and then New Jersey, again, I was on Reality Check talking to Amy Phillips about it for an hour this week, and it was a, I, I had such a great time. Um, you know, I don't really understand what's going on with David and Dolores. I don't understand these like weird, awkward scenes where Dolores is trying to get him to say that he's going to propose to her. And he's like, oh, look, the weather is nice today. He's telling you how he wants the relationship to go by showing you what his ideal relationship looks to him. So A, is that something you're really comfortable with? And B, how is an engagement ring going to change this? Like Dolores has said repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly in order to sort of apologize for her relationship as it currently exists, that his first love is his job. So either you care about that or you don't, but I don't see how a sign of commitment in the form of a ring is going to change any real facet of the relationship. So are you okay with him going to spy school instead of supporting your job as a housewife or not? And regardless of that, why does changing the status of your relationship in terms of going from girlfriend, boyfriend to like roommate to fiance matter? Because a ring isn't going to change this guy. Like it really isn't Kim Zolciak's song. Like, the ring don't mean a thing like it doesn't it's not going to change anything so why are you fighting so hard to change it is it because of the pressure from your family is it because of your bestie ex-husband thinking he this guy isn't good enough for you I don't I don't totally get it but if I was Dolores I would be having sort of inter- an internal dialogue and conversation with myself of what am I really looking for? If I'm looking for the kind of relationship that Dorinda and John had, where you 
Dorinda's happy with it. Maybe John isn't, but Dorinda's happy to go to drinks or dinner a couple times a week. He stays over. He doesn't. And then I get my me time. Then that's great. You do you. But if you're looking for something a little bit more traditional, you're not going to find it with this guy. He's telling you he's not available for that. And his amount of love for you doesn't matter. If your love language is like time and attention, he doesn't speak that language. He is not fluent in that dialect. So decide for you yourself what you want and stop apologizing if you already have it. It doesn't appear to me that she does unless she feels like for the show she should look like she's yearning for something else or unless it's being suggested to her that her like plot this season or her story is in relation to getting that kind of commitment from him I don't either you don't either you care about getting the symbol or you don't if you do care then maybe this relationship shouldn't continue because he's not comfortable giving it to you or giving it to you on camera, which frankly is sort of the same thing when it comes to all this stuff. And if you don't care, then let's talk about something else. And if you don't have anything else to talk about, then that's really the problem. It's just, I get some kind of like secondhand awkwardness from this because it seems so clear what it is that David is willing to do and how he's willing to love. And if they're on different sides of the coin, then like, you know, separate. I don't know. But the house is nice too. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Um, man, I, I don't know. I don't know that I, I watched this week's episode. It was so good. So many emotional moments, you know, Margaret just continues to be such a rock star as a housewife, even, even when she makes errors or whatever, however, oh, I wouldn't have thrown water, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. She's so dynamic, talking so openly about her lawsuit issues. Such a rarity. God, Beverly Hills, I wish that they had an iota of the kind of clarity um, that Margaret has where she's like, I'm not ashamed of this. This is my reality. This is what's going on. It's a huge financial pressure. I need to sell this land before I do. I'm going to throw a drag brunch. And, you know, she's kind of just making her way through. It just makes you, it, it makes me, in, it makes her so much more endearing to me because that's just what she's going through right now and her relationship with her mother where they've had these flipped roles their entire lives and maybe she's trying to change it and maybe she's not and she has this moment of vulnerability where she's like I don't want to talk shit about my mom and she's getting kind of teary but you know sometimes talking about the reality of what you're going through with your parents and the fact that it's not always tidy and clean and neat and you know we love you we love you so much where there are these kinds of fissures and these damaged spots that don't just go away with time sometimes they deepen and sometimes you just have to in order to continue on acknowledge these rough patches and inconsistent inconsistencies when your parent is more like a child and you have to take on that role, that's really tough. Like no matter the kind of jokes you can make and whatever else, like mothering your mom is not easy. It's not easy as a child and it's not easy as an adult. And it just makes me love Margaret more. Um, and also low key, one of my favorite moments of New Jersey this season is fucking Jen Aiden, her husband, Dr. Aiden, cause I can't bear to learn his name. Um, not that he's, you know, he's, fine whatever I don't care um I just think of him as Dr. Aiden googling the worth of Jackie's Hampton's house was like like chef's kiss 
fantastic high quality um housewife fuckery that is something i would do in my free time because i am an asshole and i absolutely want to know that kind of stuff how much is she renting it for what are the comps in the neighborhood i thought it was fantastic superb and high quality and i'm so glad it was included because it's that kind of like almost non sequitur like what the fuck is this doing in relation to everything else but so perfect sublime not really catty I guess like money catty but in the best possible way um better than cats the movie will ever be just so deeply entertaining that I couldn't help but love it and frankly Jen Eden is the secret sauce of New Jersey this season I'm not afraid to say it Anyway, I don't want to throw water on the clock. I've been chatting for a little bit of time. I do want to pivot um, a la Ross and Rachel and turn, or a la Ross moving furniture rather. Um, Yay, friends, no longer on Netflix. Don't know how to watch it. Didn't after it aired. Um, I do want to pivot to the conversation that I had with Dr. Jeff. It was really interesting. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. So guys, let's transition to that little um, therapy kiki where we talk the good, the bad, and the ugly of reality TV. And um all things really RHOA and RHOP. Uh, so listen to that conversation and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Enjoy. You guys, I'm so excited for a different kind of Andy's Girls conversation. I am here on the People's People's Couch and am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Jeff Gardier. Dr. Jeff, welcome to AG. Thank you for having me here. And Sarah, uh, I, I already love your style. <laughs> your The way you set up the intimacy, Listen. The, the energy, yes. the smoldering energy oh you God. have, the smoke gets in yes. your eyes kind of voice. I really love it. Thank you so much. Let's tell my therapist and psychiatrist you said that right <laughs> after so I can um, get a five star on Yelp. Dr. <laughs> Jeff, I want to tell the listeners who I know are familiar with your work a little bit about you. So you are considered America's psychologist, one of the most widely sought after experts in the field of mental health. In addition to having a private practice in Manhattan, oh, can't wait to schedule a session with you. You're a (laughs) prolific author and an associate professor and course director of behavioral medicine at Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine here in New York City. And of course, no stranger to reality TV with numerous appearances, just a small number, including Love and Hip Hop New York and Atlanta, Paternity Court, Couples Court, and of course, The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes. Dr. Jeff, can I call you Dr. Jeff? Yes, please. I just like saying Dr. Jeff out loud. <laughs> I'm very into it. So I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you today? Well, I'm doing really great. And it's uh, it's wonderful to be on with you. What a, what a, what a great experience. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're back on the couch again. I'm back on the couch. I'm here on the people's people's couch. And I have so many questions for you. So uh, listen, I rewatched in prep for this conversation season seven of Atlanta, because you were such an integral part for that season during the episodes itself, but also during the reunion. And it was interesting. I haven't watched season seven in a second. And when I rewatched it, anticipating our conversation today, I had a different experience and a different Hmm. response. So I want to um, just talk to you about your journey um, 
as a private practitioner yes. and is now a figurehead on several different reality shows. How did this all begin? Uh, my goodness. Uh, I, I, and I really have to think about that because so many things have happened in my career. Uh, I, I would say, and I guess you would agree, right, Sarah, that uh, most clinical psychologists don't kind of have the arc in their storyline the way that I seem to do. But I, I think it may have all started with uh, Mona Scott Young with the okay. Love and Hip Hop uh, series, uh, working with her. Uh, she happens to be, like me, a Haitian-American. Oh, great. As we like to say. Love, love, love. Uh, and so I guess if you do okay on just one reality show, yeah. uh, people come a-calling, you know, they come a-knocking at the door. Um, and there aren't that many psychologists out there, you know, other than maybe Dr. Phil and yeah. um, some of the others who are doing Ayanla. something. Ayanla, who's an incredible social worker, great energy. Um, what is her so, title? Is she a licensed social worker? Is yeah, that, I believe she is a licensed a social worker. Okay, got right. it. So even okay. if she wasn't uh, working on TV, right, she, she could have... have a private practice. Got it, so, got it, got you know, it. she's the real deal for okay, sure. But I, I guess making those appearances on Love and Hip Hop uh, with... With uh, Jocelyn mm -hmm. uh, getting into a, a tussle with Jocelyn and, oh, and with her man, I think just, you know, really it, it just busted open the doors for all sorts of reality that I continue to do even today. So what led to the introduction with um, Atlanta House Housewives specifically? Who got in touch with you? How did they explain the dynamics? How did all of that work? Well, uh, it, it, it's an individual that I call uh, Carlos King, the great Carlos Ooh. King. I call him King Carlos. Amazing. Uh, and um, he was very much uh, a part of the Housewives of Atlanta as a producer, an executive producer. Mm. And the story, the way it's been told to me, is that Nene Leakes herself, <gasps> uh, my frenemy, as I um, like to call her <laughs> my my friend a patient as oh, I like God. to call her um, saw some of the work that I had done uh, on television mm -hmm. and spoke with Carlos and then Carlos reached out to me so you began your appearances on Atlanta by counseling Nene, her husband Greg, and their family. Is and that correct? And their family, that's right. All of the children, the children from Greg's um, mm -hmm. uh, first family. Right. Uh, because part of the issue they were having uh, as far as their marriage was that he was kind of like split in two. You know, mm -hmm. he had to take care of his kids who had their own issues uh, from his first marriage. Then he had to take care of the kids that he had with Nene. Right. And she just felt, you know, Nene. Right. She just felt that she wasn't getting enough attention. So she actually called me in to do family counseling uh, with the whole, with the entire family, and then couples counseling with her and Greg. So here's my question. So when this happens, when you're counseling someone who obviously needs support and needs help, and it's also being filmed for reality TV. What is the minutia of it all? Do you meet with them separately before the cameras are there? Are you introduced to them first time with the cameras on when you're like arriving to their door or meeting in the office? How does that work? Absolutely. And of course, your experience uh, speaks for itself. Yes. Um, they don't want to spoil it uh, by us having a therapy session beforehand oh. or meeting each other okay. before the session because they don't want anything to happen. They want the dynamic uh, to be fresh, to be new, to be explosive. Yeah. Let's be honest about that. With in the session so it's the first time uh, usually that I'm meeting them it's 
as you see me walk through the office doors wow. or they're coming in through the office doors, it's fresh. And I, and, and, and quite honestly, I can't really do a, uh, a psychosocial history the way that I normally would right. with a patient. So everything is fast forwarded. Um, and you have to do this intense crisis intervention uh, in real TV time, um, something that would take probably eight or nine sessions. Right. You have to be able to accomplish within one session, within a 60-minute period. Uh, and then, of course, they edit it down to you know the four or five minutes that you end up seeing. How did you prepare for uh, your first session with them? Had you watched any Atlanta Housewives? What was your... Um, what did you know about Nini before you stepped into that sure. room? Uh, well, I'm ashamed to say this, but I will say it because I'm an honest person and you have to be an honest person as yeah. a shrink, right? Um, I, the, the only television that I really watch involves zombies and blood. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I mean, that yeah. does work actually yeah. for some and, of these outside shows. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in some ways, right. Better uh, especially, especially when they say, you know, uh, the walking dead, beware of the living, yeah. right? Yep. That's, that's uh, Dallas and, housewives for you. Re- exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beware of the living. Don't sure. worry about the walking dead. They're, they're harmless. Um, the only thing I knew about Nini was that she was a very extreme personality, mm-hmm. uh, that she was the foundation on which the Housewives of Atlanta uh, was being built. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't know really much about her other than that, that she's larger larger than life. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've met her. She is larger than yeah, life. Yeah, she's, 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 she's a real personality she's, with a capital and, P. And she's a tall person. She right. takes care of herself. And she's just dynamic, yeah. you know, just explosive in everything she does and you know and it's no secret you know I, I I still work with Greg and Nini you know doing private work and so on do you yes yes it's no secret she's you know she's amazing she's put that out on Twitter she's put it out there she's talked about it with Andy Andy asked her I believe in one of the last reunions uh, when she was again thinking of breaking up with Greg, yeah. he asked her, are you working with Dr. Jeff? And she said, yes. But the thing that I found out about her, Sarah, which was the most amazing thing of all, is not only is she one of the hardest working women in show business, and, and Greg is a very sweet man and, and really the force behind her. They are mm-hmm. a dynamic duo, so I don't think they can ever break up. So mm. no, the, the spoiler alert there, <laughs> they really need yeah. one another. Yeah. But um, she is one of the funniest people I have ever met in my life. And we know that she does some stand-up comedy right. once in a while. She is genuinely a funny person. The joke that she told that I, that uh, the story that she told that I loved is when, you know, she's doing, you know, she's doing her green screen thing and talking about, well, here comes Dr. Jeff. She didn't call me Dr. Jeff. She called me Dr. Ring. Oh. And for those of us, you know, of course you all can't see, but I wear this large green ring. It looks like and a big jade. It's yeah, gorgeous. and what it is is just it's just sea glass. Oh, so immediately it. when she said, and let's see what Dr. Ring has oh to say, God. I was like, This woman is right on. How and how did that opinion of her as this really vibrant person? connect with the fact that you were seeing her at moments of crisis when she almost seemed combative Mm -hmm. about receiving counsel. Yep. Um, And 
I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I did the group session with them and she got up and walked out, I can't tell you how many uh, therapist types um, came up to me and said, well, you kind of let that go out of control. And I said, well, if you know NeNe Leakes, right, it's not about control. She's got to do her own thing. Right. And so she has to learn from, you know, perhaps getting up and leaving a session, uh, what that means as far as the dynamics, what it means for the ladies who stayed. And we did more of that session. Um, but it, it just really is a, a crystal clear example that she is a force of nature. And so you have to work with her in a different way than you would work with most people. And it felt like watching that episode and re-watching it, it felt like she was having a moment where she was viewing herself in her head sort of as the victim with a lot of different people Mm -hmm. saying a lot of critiques, and it felt like she fell out of control. And her only way to say, I feel hurt, I feel angry, I feel sad, was to remo- remove herself from the situation. That's Do you right. think that's you're, accurate? You're, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you certainly have uh, a therapeutic sense about <laughs> you, right? I, I wonder why. Shout uh, out to Amy and Dr. K. All right, <laughs> then. Your help. That's right. And we're supposed to learn from these things, right? Right, that's right. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That is, you know, dead on what happened with her. She just could not deal with the pain that was brought up in that session. So for her to sit there and say, you know, I'm really feeling mad right now. or I'm really feeling upset. That was her way that she had to do it in them in that bombastic way. But I think it, it just completely changed the way that she viewed herself that when she came back on that reunion, Mm -hmm. she ended up having almost a breakdown in order to build back up. Right. And so those, for those people who say, and and you hear it all the time, Sarah, oh, this reality stuff, it can't be real. Oh, they're making this stuff up. No, this stuff is very, very real. And what happened there therapeutically was meant to happen. It was very real. And I believe it really changed who she was and that she was able to help a lot of other people uh, from that point. So when I watched the reunion that arc the first time I actually to be honest had a similar reaction to Claudia Jordan's which was watching this on the couch and thinking is this real it felt so strange to me in the moment and the hug and everything else I was like is this actually really happening and then I watched it again recently And you know what? It really did feel real. I don't know what changed in my brain chemistry where it just, I really felt, it felt produced to me in the moment. And when I watched it again, it really felt like she was becoming undone. That for some reason, for whatever reason, she could have avoided talking about her mom or talked about her mom openly in the past. And I would think this is what happens with trauma is that sometimes just something that wouldn't have triggered you before can trigger you in the moment. And it seemed like that is what was going on with Nini in that space. If if you know Nini Leaks the way that you and I know Nini Mm -hmm. Leaks, the way that I know Nini Leaks, um, she could have handled that any number of ways where she would have come out of it really looking fantastic Mm -hmm. uh instead um she could not help but deal with 
and address the pain at that moment. And, and I want to talk about that for just a second. Address that pain to the point of where she could not go on. Now, I know people watching it are saying, oh, well, you know, she was just getting a lot of uh, attention for mm -hmm. that. It was a cry for attention. Mm. But more than anything, it was a cry for help. Yeah. You know, this is a woman who did not have a good relationship, you know, with her family members right. uh, in a way that she really needed to with her father, uh, in some ways with her mother. And she just, as much as she craves attention, that's not the kind of attention that she wanted. Right. Um, but it, I believe it really opened her heart. And, and what it really did was that I heard from so many of her fans mm. who it opened the door for them. Mm -hmm. If Nini could do this, then we can do it. Mm -hmm. We can revisit that very basic uh, visceral pain that we feel around some of the traumas that we experience, mm -hmm. you know, as we grow up. And, and, and the other thing that I wanted to add to that is, um, again, this whole idea people ask, well, is this stuff real or what have you? Mm -hmm. And look, let, let, you know, you, you do this so well, you know, that there are, um, some shows and I'm not going to talk about which ones they are yeah, yeah. where, you know, some of the stuff is produced. Absolutely. Right. But it's also, you're making a, a when you become a reality star, you're making a deal with the devil mm -hmm. uh, in that that camera is on you mm -hmm. and you can't just show the good stuff. Mm -hmm. You can't be just a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout. You mm -hmm. have to show all aspects of yourself. And people don't realize that when that camera hits you, that's almost like a truth serum. That's almost like a therapist being in the room with you because you know so many people are going to call you out if you're not genuine. Yeah. Does it also reinforce some bad behaviors? I think absolutely. Because this industry is about if you're not in a light or doing something that's calling this tremendous amount of attention that is so interesting, you can't be just a regular person. Mm -hmm. You've got to be uh, an enhanced sort of personality mm -hmm. to be on a reality show. Sure. So I, I think that's where we see a lot of people, you know, acting out in certain ways. Noting your experiences on season seven, it definitely felt like that arc um, led to Nini showing a self, a side of herself that was truly vulnerable and that she was maybe a little mm -hmm. bit afraid to show. But then at a certain point, she was too out of control with her emotional responses in the best possible way where she couldn't help but show us that side yes. to her. In the seasons following, it feels like she's kind of reverted back to being... I don't know that passive aggressive is the right way, but less open to revealing that. And I don't know if that's because she's applied a suit of armor. She's mm -hmm. kind of already gone mm -hmm. through it and doesn't mm -hmm. feel safe or comfortable revealing that part of herself again. Or she's kind of disconnected a little bit from the idea of having to do that. Like she's like checked it off her list. And I don't mean that in any kind of yes. dismissive yes. way, yes. but just in the sense that she showed that part of herself and she doesn't necessarily feel a need to be that vulnerable again. It's also a, a strange scenario when you're s sort of working with these women where these, some of them she's truly good friends with others. She sees when they film and that's kind of the nature of this, but how do you explain 
the fact that we haven't necessarily seen that vulnerability. Is that something that you've talked with her about? Um, And I haven't talked to her about it because she is now much more centered on taking care of her family, of taking care of her children, Mm -hmm. uh, because this thing that we call fame sometimes can be very toxic. And, you know, she, she, she is a, you know, a mother lion, you know, you can mess with her, but don't mess with her kids. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she can call her kids names, but don't you dare do it. Of course. Right. And so I think that's where her concern is the cancer, um, mm-hmm. situation that Greg went through and mm-hmm. came out of it, thank goodness, and what a courageous man he is. Um, that is what was her focus. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, this is a situation, Sarah, where you expose yourself, you are the most vul- uh, vulnerable than the, the, than you've ever been in your life. Mm-hmm. And so how many times can you do that without beginning to now damage yourself or maybe even damaging your brand? Yeah. Um, so she allowed that to happen. She allowed that extreme vulnerability. She allowed that breakdown to happen. But knowing NeNe Leaks, if that continues to happen, that's something that's going to happen behind closed doors because she's got other agendas she has to take care of on the air. Has she ever discussed with you and do you envision a time when she will leave Housewives again? I mean, she's left before temporarily and then returned. And it feels like she's almost in a place now where she might be growing on from the franchise. Is that something that you've talked with her about? I haven't talked to her about it, but I I, I think I have a unique perspective on it. Um, Housewives of Atlanta has made NeNe Leaks a household name. Right. It's made her Americana. Right. It's uh, resulted, and with her great talent, uh, resulted in her having uh, comedy roles, dramatic Mm -hmm. roles, uh, being involved in all sorts of areas of uh, the media industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a businesswoman. She's mm-hmm. opened uh, all sorts of different, uh, uh, you know, jewelry, you know, um, uh, clothes stores sure. and so on. Mm-hmm. At times, she has outgrown that particular franchise but she is a very smart woman and she knows where her bread is buttered. And I think people have learned that when you have something that is so successful, it's great for you to leave the band Mm -hmm. and do your own recordings, right? Mm -hmm. And do your own solo records. Mm -hmm. But you always affiliate with that band and you come back every couple of years. And I think that's what we're going to see with Nene Leakes. Right. That she might dip in and out, but she'll probably always have Absolutely. toes and, and, in and, the, and it's yeah. and, it, and it's and and it's one of the best reality shows on television. It's been a mainstay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has a very special relationship with Andy Cohen. Yeah. You know, at times she gets really upset and really pissed off with him. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they benefit one another. And from my understanding, they will always keep some 
some sort of a very visceral, some sort of a very strong relationship. Have you spoken with any other members of the Atlanta franchise or any other Housewives franchise? Has yeah. anyone else yeah, reached yeah. out to you for support, for help, for feedback? Um, I, I've, I, I continue to work now, and I can't mention any names, uh, with um, other people in... Um, on reality shows okay. uh, and work have worked with them steadily. Um, I will tell you someone who uh, I did. Uh, I saw Candy Burris uh, and I, I love Candy. Love yeah, Candy. She's, she's, she's just great people. Uh, and when we run into one another, the housewives and I, you know, a lot of hugs and kisses. They're really, let me tell you, I know people see them sometimes as being, perhaps not the friendliest people, mm. but they would give you the blouses off their backs, mm. you know, if they know you. Yeah. Uh, and they know how this business can be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my hat is off to all of them mm -hmm. as to the kindness that they do have, mm -hmm. you know, in a more personal arena. But from what happened with um, Nini, uh, I spoke with Claudia Jordan uh, several times because I know Claudia uh, wanted to start branching out and doing more kind of like therapeutic work oh. on television. Oh. So I think that's something that at some point you may see more of. Wow. And Claudia was one of those interesting cases. She ended up being a one season wonder, which mm -hmm. I felt was such a disservice because she was so charismatic during her season in Atlanta and so dramatic in the best possible way. I thought she gave great TV, not just in the arguments versus Nene, but just thought she had such an interesting arc. And I would love to see her come back one day. I thought she was fantastic. Well, she's a resilient person. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, uh, she went on to radio. Right. And I'm sure she'll be doing more things. Um, we all know, you and I know and those of us listening to this incredible podcast who are in the business know the favorite saying or the favorite excuse that comes from those in charge in the media. Mm -hmm. We've decided to go in another direction. Right? Which right. why? Go yeah. back. Yeah. Go We've back. decided to go in another. Yes. We love you. That we've decided to go in another direction uh, or you never hear from them again right. when they fire you you're gone it's not about oh well let me go back on tv and say goodbye and yeah. that sort of thing some of the greatest talents they've had they just cut them off and that's it and look if you're part of this business you know it and you don't take it personal right, right. and did you have a conversation with her about that once she with sort claudia of, yeah once her contract no was no no i up? didn't uh but People know where to find me. Right. And I always get calls from people who may need to talk to someone. And uh, once I work with someone, whether you're a celebrity, uh, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an NFL player, whether you're just someone walking down 57th Street and, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked for a few minutes my 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 phone's always open the door is is always open has bravo reached out to you to have you work with some other housewives or bravo celebrities uh not recently okay. uh when i do work with individuals mm -hmm. um and here's how it works it's very interesting so yeah, i'm going to give me. you some inside information right so Quite often what happens is, for example, Andy Cohen never calls and says, mm -hmm. you know, other than commissioning uh, um, 
um, a show for me. Uh, he talked to Carlos King. He found out, you know, that I have a very interesting family life also that is reality worthy. And he commissioned a pilot. Oh, wow. Uh, but other than that, um, what happens is you will get a call directly from that person on that franchise. Okay. You know, whomever the housewife is or family member. And they will say, can you offer me counseling? I need counseling. Uh, this is what happened with um, Housewives of Potomac because I did that show. Um, and so you start doing therapy. Yeah. The producers find out that you're doing therapy mm -hmm. with that individual. Mm -hmm. And then... The producers say, oh, that seems TV worthy. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can do more of that. And so then they put it on the screen. And remind me, Potomac, Potomac, were you Skyping? Was it in person? Yes. Remind, yes. It was Skyping, right? I, I, I Skyped and I also did some in-person work. And who were you counseling on Potomac? It was Sharice. It was? It was Sharice. And I believe it, this season, is she a friend to the show? She hasn't been on. So they're filming now. She wasn't on this past season, but definitely the season mm -hmm. before. So mm -hmm. she went from being an OG to a friend of. The fans love her and would love to see her back full time. She's she an amazing be. person. And yeah. um, because we did this on TV, so I, I, I can discuss it. Uh, she was going through a lot of situation, a, a lot of pain um, about a divorce with her husband. Okay. Who was um, um, a college basketball coach and a very successful one and um so her kids were going through it her son and her daughter and so that was her major concern and so we did a lot of good therapeutic work with her family wow. uh, and with and with her kids and with her uh and i would say that was one of the more constructive um situations that we've had on reality tv she turned out to be absolutely fine she's great she's strong she's mm -hmm. amazing i would love to see her back full time she's uh, such as, an incredible as, as, woman as, as i would too yes absolutely and is she someone that you've kept in touch with since uh you know she's she has a very strong presence uh on on facebook oh, uh, great. and social media uh she does a lot of uh, philanthropic uh work uh -huh. um you know she doesn't have to work uh, Amen. She, yeah, Good she, for does, her. she doesn't have to work. She did her job. Yeah, but she chooses uh, to go out there and to help as many causes as possible. Wow. That's fascinating. I mean, I'm also curious. We have a segment on Andy Scrolls called Satchels of Gold, which is in honor of a previous. Um, New York housewife Kelly Klorn Ben Simone, who I would love to recommend to you. Okay. <laughs> I think All right. Could use okay. Your services. That would be great. But anyway, I have some satchels of gold for the soul, just a, a few different okay. scenarios okay. affecting different housewives and different franchises. And I want to get your thoughts, Dr. Jeff. All right. Here we go. So, have you heard of Teresa and Joe Giudice? Absolutely. Okay. New Jersey housewife. They've been fighting. It's sort of like they fought the law and the law won. They both have um, been to prison. Relating to some legal issues that they've had. Joe is now unfortunately living in Italy full time, trying to fight his way back to mm -hmm. the States. And on this season of Jersey, we've seen while Joe has been away, a series of very contentious phone conversations that he's had um, calling into the family to check in. And their kids have sort of responded to the trauma that they have experienced with a lot of anger toward mm -hmm. Teresa that we've mm -hmm. seen on camera and off. If you were counseling them, what 
guidance would you offer to these parents, both of whom seem to be in pain, but unfortunately are kind of roping their kids into their very contentious relationship right now? Uh, That's a pretty difficult one because from what I actually know about this uh, particular story, from what I know of this and what I've been able to discern clinically is that, of course, uh, Teresa and Joe are not in a good place uh, as far as their marriage. Totally. Uh, And so what we tend to see in uh, marriages, relationships where um, things are really kind of off the rails is that somehow our children or, or unconsciously we bring our children in and we try to have them take sides even yeah. if it's something that we don't want to do or we get into a situation of where we erase a parent right. um, Joe has kind of erased himself in that you know he's sequestered out in Italy by the way Italy is not a bad place right. to be amen right? I if mean that's please a place, if that's your fortress of solitude right um, but my advice to the two of them would be that yes you know Joe and Teresa what you're going through is very difficult um, but you have to think about the mental health of your children what is it that they need right. uh, in order to survive in order to be the successful uh, next generation and with Teresa I, I do understand that she in some ways has to rope them in because it is about the franchise it is about her work it is about continuing the story arc um, but she's got to really be careful and pay attention and not think her her kids are as resilient as she thinks that they may be because there's a lot of suffering they may be going through the kids may be going through that they may not even be showing speaking of suffering uh, New York housewife Bethany Frankel and her ex-husband Jason Hoppe. I love Hoppe. Bethany Frankel. So, and she's one of the most successful housewives to come out of the franchise, as well as one of the most successful reality stars of yeah, all yeah, time with what yeah, she's created absolutely. with Skinny Girl. Great business, great business, person. great business person. But when it comes to her divorce and custody battle, which is ongoing with her ex-husband, it has become incredibly toxic, and they've been fighting for their custody uh, for custody of um, their child Bryn for several years their mm-hmm. their marriage itself was two years their custody and divorce battle at least double that amount yep. of time yep. um and it has become incredibly incredibly toxic and I wonder to myself you know Bryn is now I don't know maybe seven or eight years old how is that going to affect her when she gets older assuming that she hasn't behaved in a manner where you can like see the results of the trauma. I wonder to myself, seeing all of these tabloid reports, what harm are they doing to their kid by continuing these battles um, in court and in the press? And how can they kind of get past it? Well, first and foremost, I'm sure it's not something that they're doing intentionally. Uh, perhaps what we're seeing and what we see from many battling, you know, divorced uh, individuals or divorcing individuals uh, is that the collateral damage from their own anger, their own rage, their own um feeling of being victimized by the other partner, um, the collateral damage when they act out is actually the children, right? Mm -hmm. They're the ones who, uh, in many ways, absorb the things that they hear uh, that are being said about the other parent. Mm -hmm. They internalize what they hear about what one parent says to the other, because the fantasy for every child is for their parents to stay together, usually no matter what, unless there's some 
abuse going right. on, physical, emotional abuse, is for their parents to, to stay together. That's their fantasy. The pairing fantasies are part of our psychological makeup. And so they need to be aware that no matter how they how much they dislike one another and it seems like they really do dislike really, one really, another really 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 and truly um they have to realize that they both love this child they mm-hmm. both love Bryn uh and therefore they have to give each other some credit for that and have a meeting of the minds perhaps maybe some mediation where you have someone like a Dr. Jeff right. you know step in and work with them yeah. and look at the mental health of the child and finally to, to to answer your question what is the effect um be it ever so terrible, there's no place like home. So if you come from a broken home, mm-hmm. if you come from a home where the in, the environment is poisonous and toxic, that's where you're going to find yourself in a more comfortable position. Yes. So finding someone who has a lot of the drama, finding someone who has that kind of rage, arranging for yourself to be in a marriage where, again, what happened with your parents is happening with you mm-hmm. and your new partner mm-hmm. because it's all that you really know. Mm, which is such a crazy cycle. Well, I, I, I have not been following the show, but if this child is not in therapy, they should put the child in therapy. Not because the child is crazy, but no, as a, but, but as a prophylactic right. for the healthy development of of the child and I think that they have like the court has mandated therapy and but I it's don't... too bad the court has to mandate right, it right the it's parent. the parents who really should say look I know we can't stand one another's guts but we have to look at the mental health of our child and even if you think that you are protecting your kid from the drama of it all if you are in the public eye that child is going to hear about it from their classmates they're going to hear Absolutely. about it from the parents of Absolutely. their friends and they're going to be able to google it and you shouldn't have to be able to google your parents talking about how much they hate each other that's not a lot of these kids it seems like they don't know much Mm -hmm. but both you and i know they will they they know everything right they know everything so question for you um on the most recent episode of real housewives of atlanta portia williams got re-engaged to her fiance dennis and um, I sat in on the Atlanta panel during BravoCon mm-hmm. where, you know, we all knew at that point in real time, Portia and Dennis were reengaged. They broke up when it turned out that he had cheated on her during her pregnancy. And then they went to counseling and now they're trying to make it work. So during BravoCon, when the moderator or a, or a, someone asking a question in the audience referenced Dennis, the crowd started booing because we love Portia. We want her to be mm-hmm. happy. And Absolutely. the overwhelming sense is that he doesn't necessarily deserve her. And Portia's response was interesting, which was, listen, you have no idea how difficult it is to try to work through a relationship, let alone one on camera. And for whatever, even though I sort of like understand why you're booing him, I don't, it's, that's tough. That's like tough for her to take in because she's trying to work on her relationship. Like let's try to lift them up instead of bringing him down. Fast forward to this week, there were, the blogs were talking, um, the streets are talking, and there was a video that came out of Dennis at a diner late at night with four women, and while it didn't show anything explicit, the sense in the blogosphere was, is he starting to go Mm -hmm. back to past Mm -hmm. patterns? And my question for you is, 
how would you counsel Portia and Dennis to keep the focus on their relationship? And also, if someone has cheated before, can they really change that character? Mm, all great questions. Well, I, I, I would say for uh, Portia and Dennis, what I would say to them uh, is that um, it, I, I, I would commend uh, Portia for sticking up for Dennis uh, mm-hmm. during that particular situation that you talked about where people were booing him. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing it because we love her. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she said she understood. And and thank God she does understand mm-hmm. because when you cheat, cheating is wrong. Uh, you Absolutely 100% it's wrong. There's no excuse for it. Um, and when you cheat on someone who is pregnant. Yeah, carrying right? your baby. Carrying My your, God. Carrying your baby. Um, it, it is not just a slap in the face, but it's a mortal wound. Right. So she obviously made the decision to get therapeutic, uh, care, therapeutic mm-hmm. help to work through this because she wanted it to work. Maybe not even so much for herself, but to have a father in the life of this right. child. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, um, what can we do but support her, uh, because I, I could probably guarantee you uh, that her family members and friends may not be so thrilled about that decision. Right. Because most people would recommend if someone's going to cheat on you on your pregnancy while you're pregnant, carrying their child while you're most vulnerable, mm-hmm. while you're forming a life, mm-hmm. um, really, is this person going to change their ways? Um so the advice I would give uh, to Dennis, uh, yeah, he was in a diner with these other women. Right. Um, late at night. Late at night. <laughs> <laughs> they were wearing strapless right. dresses. So I, I don't know. Right. He was drinking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Who know. Knows? I didn't see that. But yeah. from what you're explaining, uh, this is something that I say to people who who have had uh, issues with addiction. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that he has an addiction uh, to, um, you know, to cheating or to women or mm-hmm. to sex. Mm-hmm. But the advice is still the same people, places, and things. Stay away from the triggers that can possibly put you in a position uh, where you're vulnerable in a moment of weakness. You go back to a behavior that is self-destructive or destructive to the relationship. So if you know that you've been busted for cheating and you're trying to change your ways, then no matter what your good intentions with regard to wanting to be faithful, Don't put yourself in a position where you're not with your wife or your partner and you're sitting with four uh, people, you know, in this case, four women. Right. Right. Late at night. Late at night or even in the day. But, you know, especially late at night. Mm -hmm. Don't put yourself in that position because you might slip and fall. It's a slippery slope. You know, it's like, uh, you know, someone who's had a problem with drinking. Mm -hmm. Well, don't go to the bars if you want to stop drinking Mm -hmm. or if you want to stay on that wagon. You don't want to fall off the wagon. Right. Uh, The other thing I would say to him, too, Dennis, you know, when pictures like this come out Mm -hmm. or news stories come out, you know, your 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 wife, his wife, fiance, fiance, Portia is already mortally wounded by what happened, how you embarrassed her, Mm -hmm. you know, how she was, you know, devastated by what happened. Mm -hmm. She made the decision. You both made the the decision to work it out. Don't put her in a situation where now she looks like a fool, even though you probably, let's hope you didn't do anything wrong sitting with these four women. Again, 
people, places, and things. Don't put yourself in a light that may shine upon you and give people the wrong impression or put you in a position where you might slip and fall. And the interesting, oh, I don't know if interesting is the right phrase to use, but Candy sort of cautioned Portia about Dennis specifically when they first started seeing each other. Dennis had a reputation. Then he cheats on Portia while she was expecting their child. What's the likelihood that he'll be able to stay faithful, assuming he has since they got back together? I would say without knowing Dennis, and I've never worked with Dennis, I've never met Dennis, Mm -hmm. I would say anyone who is in a position that Dennis is in right now, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, I would assume he's a, you know, very handsome individual. Is he? (laughs) I mean, well, that's Porsche's guy. I well, I mean, okay. I don't know. Well, I'll assume I'll assume that he money had, is very attractive. Right. I'll say that. I, I, I'll assume that he had enough <laughs> of a personality yes, or go. other things to going compensate. on for yeah, yeah, yeah. for him mm-hmm. uh, for Porsche to be involved. Because totally, Porsche could have chosen anyone anybody, she wanted anybody, to, right? completely. So, um, you know, chances are if Porsche uh, is attracted to him. Uh, and she's a class A person that he probably has a lot of other people who may be attracted to him or attracted to his money or his position mm-hmm. or station in life. Uh, and now that he's also, you know, a personality on TV, all of those things are going to be enhanced. Mm-hmm. You know, TV has a way of taking just regular people and all of a sudden they're inundated with attention by people who may be attracted to them or mm-hmm. who want to meet them or who want to be with them emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, whatever the case may be. Uh, they become that uh, light uh, that uh, the uh, moths are attracted to, right. right? The flame that the moths are attracted to. So, Anyone in that position is going to have a really, really, really hard time uh, in staying faithful. So uh, I really do wish him and I wish her the best. And one final question yes. for you. Nini and... You see how I stayed out of trouble, right? You did. You did a great job. <laughs> Nini and Cynthia are going through it now. There are rumors that Nini <laughs> sort of began that there's a secret recording of Cynthia sort of talking shit about Nini. And Cynthia has asked her repeatedly face to face just tell me who it is tell me who it is and there's a sense that some people aka Kenya have said openly which is this recording may not actually exist Mm. um and Nini has said there's a recording no there's audio there's a recording itself if you were counseling Cynthia and you know you were talking to a patient who's saying I have asked this friend specifically for information and they refuse to tell me what should I do next would you tell how would you counsel her about whether or not that friendship is worth saving? Well, I, I would say to her, and I would say to Cynthia, because I, I've met Cynthia, mm-hmm. uh, who's a wonderful person. Yes. Wonderful person. Met her husband at the time. Mm. Wonderful. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Peter's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. better, I've, toge- I've, they're I've, better I've separate out, than together. Yeah, I've hung, I've, I've hung out with Peter down <laughs> in uh, Miami at all his right. new club and Bar all that one. kind of stuff. Okay, yes, cool, yes, cool, yes. cool. Um, I, I, I would say uh, to Cynthia... Why are you concerned about who may be talking about you? Why are you concerned about that particular recording? Um, Because now you are dependent on someone else's opinion of you. Mm -hmm. Um, A true friend um, will certainly um, not do 
whatever it is that you think uh, has been done or whatever has been said mm -hmm. about you. Um, if uh, Nini says there's a, a recording or something going on, I would tend to believe Nini. Mm -hmm. um, she's not a liar. She's mm -hmm. many things, you know, bombastic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, can be very, you know, interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but not a liar. Um, and so for Cynthia to get really hung up on that, I think it, I would say it's time to get past that and really rely on who your true friends are. And perhaps, perhaps Nini's being put in a position that she does not want to be in, mm -hmm. in revealing what was said or where the recording is or what's going on. And too often we get caught up on the opinions or how other people value us when it's really how do we value ourselves oh my god yes i would need a tattoo that to my arm <laughs> my god dr jeff this was absolutely fantastic i'm so appreciative i feel like i've learned a lot i need to give you a copay that copay is oh, gonna no, be a smile no no no, no, no. um Tell, Thank you, Sarah. Uh, my pleasure. Tell the listeners how to follow you online. Where can people get in touch? Uh, they can go to my website, uh, drjeffgardier.com, D-R-J-E-F-F-G-A-R-D-E-R-E.com. But they can find me anywhere on, uh, I'm all over social media, as you Love know. It. Yeah, Twitter and so on. And um it's, uh, they can always reach out. Uh, they can find me on psychology today if they want to get some therapy. Oh, yes. Right. I feel uh, like I got some today. Yeah, my yep, God. Yep. So they can go to psychology today, but they can go to my website and all my information is there. This was fantastic. I have to thank you again. This was really informative. I, I, I want to thank you because I really had a good time and you had me really process things and think about things that I've really kind of not thought about before. And that's going to, uh, I think give me, um, a lot of the prep that I need for some of the things that will be coming up in the future. And I'm going to let you know what they are when the time comes. I would love yeah. it. And I would truly, especially this season in Atlanta, would love to see you back. So my hope is, Bravo, if you're listening, I would love to see you back. You know, Potomac definitely needs you. Atlanta definitely needs you. But you know, the experience of watching you, knowing that you were coming today and watching you on Atlanta really sh reshaped my viewing of those episodes uh, in that arc. And it would be great to see. And, and Nini needs you right now, Dr. Uh, Trump. Uh, it would be great well, to see you know what? As, uh, you're, you're too young for this, but there was a show called Mayberry RFD. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this was uh, an outgrowth of the uh, Andy Griffith Show. Oh, yeah, 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 of and course. And if you remember, um, forget about Mayberry RFD, but the Andy Griffith show. Sure. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, of course. So um, there was Aunt B who was there. Remember Aunt B? Aunt B was Andy's auntie. Okay. And she'd always say, and this is for uh, Bravo, Andy! <laughs> Andy! <laughs> Andy, Dr. Jeff is calling. Answer Call the phone. Me Andy. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, you mentioned a pilot that you've been working on uh, with some folks from Bravo previously. So hopefully we'll see, you know, your own show in the future. That'd be great. You know what? Everything is in divine order. Yeah. And what will be, will be. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. This doctor. Oh, my God. I just called you Jeff. Oh, oh my God. that's like, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> that's all right. Oh, my God. Listen, you can call me anything you want to. Just don't call me late for supper, okay? Boom. All there right, we go. But I'm bummed. This is a total pleasure, and I would love to have you back anytime. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wasn't that really... I really enjoyed talking to Dr. Jeff. I thought he was so 
interesting. His responses to things through the lens of being, you know, a psychologist are really, really fascinating. And I do that definitely on a JV level on Andy's Girls every week. But it's so interesting to get his thoughts. Um, and guys, I want to hear your thoughts. Comment on the IG post for this week's episode at Dame Galley. Tweet me at Sarah Galley. Have an idea for what I should call the bonus episodes of AG that will be up on um, Patreon soon. I want to get a title from you. The winner gets a prize and that prize is knowing they're number one and maybe a magnet. So (laughs) let me know your thoughts and feels on this week's episode. What do you think of Lisa Vanderpump's handling of the Brett and Max sitch? What do you think of Brandy? Brandy? Yeah, that's how I'm going to, what I'm going to call her right now. Um, Brandy Redmond's weird apology tour. Um, Do you think she should be back on Dallas? What do you think of Dallas continuing? Can we believe that they're filming right now? Because I certainly can't. Um, guys, this week was such a pleasure. Can't wait to kiki with you again soon. And, you know, c'est bon, c'est bon. What a pleasure. What a priv. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And hope you like this week's AG. Bye-bye.